Ray. Good to see you, Ryan. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to speak with me today. I'm pumped to chat with you about all things related to win-loss and maybe a couple of other interesting topics. Just to set context for the discussion, there's just so much going on right now in the B2B tech space at the board level where we're hearing from a lot of clients and prospective clients about how um, CEOs, leadership teams are being asked for more during those board meetings about why they're winning and losing, and in particular focused on churn and why organizations are not renewing with NRR being such an important metric. So I wanted to like just start off this series uh, to talk to you about your experience with win-loss, your experience with boards. I know we've worked together for a number of years as you've gone from company to company. But as the CEO, recently a CEO, would love to hear more about your thoughts on win-loss. And I don't know, let's just jump right in. But across four companies, you and I have worked, you know, worked really well together. And I think, you know, before before we started as as a either a go-to-market leader and or the CEO, I think the general assumption was, well, if we win, I'm going to ask the AE and the SE kind of why we won. And, and I'll get the answer. And then if we lost, I'll ask them the same thing. But the more, you know, if you take a step back and you think about it, that's probably the last pe- the last cohort of people you want to ask why, uh, because they'll be, you know, oftentimes the reason why we won is because the AE was the best AE in the history of selling. And the reason why we lost was that the customer was stupid. Right. But when you really take, when you take emotion um, and personal interest aside, and you really have professionals like you and your team come in and ask just the right set of questions to the right people, you you'll be surprised. And I, as you know, I was shocked at the a the level of depth in the feedback that I got and the feedback that I did get. And um, I applied it across every function of my business. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, you mentioned you know boards. Or, um, you know, we've the the board. I think at least on my last board, you know, the chairman he had he hadn't heard of this program. And I said, you know, you got to read some of these things. They're unbelievable. To the so I, I went, so he was probably a skeptic to start. And then, you know, the board ex- fully expected me twice a year to have you and your team come on and be like, okay, if we look at our SMB segment, or if we look at this product line, or if we look at this vertical market, here are some trends, and this is what we're hearing. And we would take that away. And, you know, it, there could be a pricing and packaging component. So finance would, would take action or product would take action. Sales and marketing, of course, would take action. So, um, yeah, it, it was always a big, a big, uh, a really big uh, part of of my of my running my business and and really understanding truly what the you know what the wants and needs were of the customer and what was happening in a pretty dynamic marketplace. And then in in those board meetings, just to kind of take me take me there, did you also have your functional leadership team there as well with you, like head of sales, head of product marketing during yes, those discussions? I did, I did. We 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 would typically go deep in in a particular function. Uh, in, a, in, in a given board meeting, so we 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 decided. Now this was this was during the pandemic, right? So we didn't have a full day board session. We'd every, you know every other month we'd go pretty deep in a session. So um, you know we we'd get into you know really you know product specific details. It takes too long to deploy, or the architecture isn't modern enough, or whatever the case may be. And then you know we'd have the product team in there to to hear that and take feedback. Um, and take action, you know, into the roadmap, you know, as an example, or, you know, sales was too pushy or whatever the case may be. And we take that and understand how, how to maybe do a little bit, you know, better solution selling. But yeah, they were actually the, the, the functional leaders were in listening. They didn't do the, pre- they didn't do the presenting. Your team did the presenting, which I felt was important. 
because uh, again, there's no there there was no tipping of the scale, if you will, um, based on that functional leaders, you know, MBOs or whatnot. So, uh, but they were yeah, but they they were there, and and it was, it was a healthy dialogue between the, those functional leaders and the board. And it's interesting because I think one of the challenges people bring up with with research programs, win loss programs, or other is. You know, how do we take action with the information that's being delivered? And it sounds like you had a good rhythm um, to be able to take some of that insight, get those functional leaders together and, and drive action. So did you, like on a biannual basis or quarterly basis, did you work to, to, to unpack some of those actions from the program? Did you rely upon you know, your research director on our side to make recommendations? How did that action piece work for you? Well, you know, we, 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 we wouldn't, you know, you, you don't want to overreact on one or two of your team's reports, right? But you can, you can see consistent themes and trends coming out. So, you know, as an example, um, you know, depth and integration to my ERP system, you know, would be a, a pro or a con. Um, so, you know, for areas where we realize that, gee, you know, we seem to work really well within this segment of a distribution set of customers who are running a specific ERP system, that would really inform a go-to-market campaign. Say, Let, let's double down and let's focus on customers that have this architecture. Conversely, if you know there was concern on another application that that either we didn't we we didn't really integrate well with, or we didn't we didn't sell that we did integrate well, you know, we'd make we'd make changes. We had that a little bit on, you know. Um, uh, uh, on my last business at, uh, you know, our ability to integrate with SAP. We had dozens and dozens of SAP customers, but for some reason there was a, you know, there was a, a theme in the market and I'm sure it was planted by our competitors that we couldn't, we couldn't do it. So what do we do? We built out a demo specific to SAP. We'd show their data within the SAP instance. We'd reference customers. We'd have an integration pre-built between SAP and then that, that kind of blocker went away in the go-to-market. So yeah, we would, we'd look for consistent themes and then we'd look at our roadmap and we'd make decisions, either A, how we change the enablement from a go-to-market perspective, or B, you know, what we would do within our own product roadmap. And then did you ever track the results of those actions taken in some sort of way? You know, so if you made that decision, um, did you go back to look at the results three or six months down the road? Absolutely. So so we I mean, we we would always look at, you know, sales conversion. Um, and and we would look at conversion by stage and by segment. So Whereas it wasn't necessarily, you know, as simple as, you know, SAP demo equals 30% increased close rate. But when you combine all these things and you started to see a, a better close rate within that segment of the customer base, you could, you know, you, you, you could kind of, you didn't have to squint too hard to say, hey, it was the actions that we took based on the feedback from the win-loss that's allowing us to better compete and win in the market. Awesome. And then win-loss being one data source, what other data sources did you typically or have you typically relied upon when building kind of a fully formed perspective on on a on a topic? So you've got some reports that maybe point you in a certain direction, but you got sales feedback you mentioned earlier, which which is kind of questionable as far as the reliability. But are there other sources that you recommend to people to tap into? Sure, sure. I mean, I think you you've got you've got to really go talk to your customer, not just not just at the point of sale. And and not just at the point right after they implement, but six months, a year, two years later, because you know you, you, that that their uh, you know their 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 um, satisfaction with the product is going to ebb and flow throughout that throughout that time frame, right? So spending a lot of time, be it an NPS or having the customer success team really understand 
is this doing what you wanted it to do? So a ton of customer interaction, um, that, that was pretty important. I think looking at, you know, competitive information, getting as much insight as we could, you know, leverage, whether it's G2 crowd or other, other opportunities to get insight into what the competitors were doing, what they were doing in my marketplace. Are they winning? Are they losing? Where are they winning? Um, try to understand that. Uh, and then talking to ecosystem uh, partners, whether it was, hey, this is a big Salesforce customer, so let's talk to them about what the wants and needs are of the client, or it's a big SAP customer, or you know, let's you know, their Deloitte's their integrator, Accenture's their integrator. So working with folks like that, all, all those things can really give you, I think, really great insight into what you know what's ha- what's truly happening in the market and how people are perceiving you know your your company and your product. And then there's probably no easy way to like centralize all that information. It's having conversations, it's collecting information, it's kind of your internal IQ on on the space in your network. Um, so that that's really interesting. And just out of curiosity, I know with with win loss, a lot of the work that you've seen is interview based. But do you think surveys are also an important component of the story, or do you think that they just you know they don't give you quite enough? I think tell. I, I think it depends. It depends on who's delivering the survey, who's filling out the survey, and the level of depth in the survey. Um, so I, I do think they have a role. So whether it's an NPS score or something like that, I think is it, it, if deliver if executed the right way, um, can be pretty helpful. But we, you know, we invested a lot of time and money, not just not just in, in your solution, but other things that could make us better. So we we had a pretty robust you know, enablement stack with, with tools like Seismic and Gong to really understand, okay, what content is converting at the right rate and what isn't? And then what can we do to, to, to either double down on that piece of content and or cr- quickly create a piece of content to move a customer through a funnel? You know, we would, we would uh, spend time as leadership, sales leadership, listening to Gong calls, looking at videos, understanding kind of where, if something went well, what was it that the AE kind of said that got the customer to react the way in which we want them to react? And then conversely, if, you know, we go through a call and it's a great call and the AE didn't close for a next step, we'd say, well, gee, you know, I think we have an opportunity to maybe improve on that. And so I think, you know, when, when you look at all of those things, so, so there can be a data-driven component that can give you, you know, some in, outside of your tools that can give you insight into what's working and what isn't. It's interesting. A lot of those tools are, are kind of leaning heavily into this whole gen AI uh, trend that we're seeing out there. Tell me what your thoughts are about that type of technology and how it might help to kind of support win-loss research and kind of other maybe centralization of the data that you were talking about earlier to tell more of a, a summarized story of, of what might be going on in a market or within in your sales cycle. So let's let's hear your thoughts on on that space. Sure, sure. And I think the the bald head and the gray beard will indicate that I've been doing this for a little bit. So I've I've been you know I've been lucky enough to be in technology since the early '90s and saw the birth of the internet. And I spent a lot of time in e-commerce and, and mobile. And um, I and I've debated this with executives and investors in the last three months. I'm not sure I've seen anything like this ever. And I'll include the internet in that. Um, that might be provocative. I don't know, but this I, I think. Uh, what this is going to do to all functions of society, government, technology, customers, whatever the case may be, students, you pick it. It's going to be like like something that we've never never seen. Uh, it's going to be truly revolutionary, uh, I believe. Now, when you, when you take that and apply it to to you know customer acquisition, customer retention, you know you, you don't have to spend a lot of time with these tools to understand that with 
we'll take GPT or now auto GPT to really just create agents that are constantly monitoring, looking, asking, sending, gathering feedback, emailing, sending video, whatever the case may be. And these are programmatic things that you can do in machine time now that would typically have taken, you know, ten, you know, dozens of people to kind of execute uh, a, a, you know, a, a cross-functional marketing campaign. Now, I think with tools like this, um, you should be able to get 10x, 5x, something like that of of the of the velocity through your bullpick sales and marketing function that you could never have envisioned years ago. So the ability to not only write copy, create video, create assets, learn, engage based on prompts, do other things, and to be able to automate that now with AutoGPT, I think is is pretty transformational. And if you look at feedback from customers as it relates to you know, we need a better integration between system A and system B. Well, now you can simply say, okay, write me an integration between system A and system B. And it will not only write you that integration, but it'll say, hey, by the way, system A had a bug and I fixed that and system B had a bug and I fixed that. So to me, I think if you're not asking yourself as a leader, how can I get 10X the productivity and volume through each of my functions in my business by leveraging tools like this, someone's going to beat you because they're going to be doing it. It, it seems like it's leveling the playing field for a lot of organizations who have built these really impressive um, applications, tools, whatever you want to call them. And now you can just use a prompt to kind of do the same thing that they've spent millions of, and millions of dollars building over, over many years. Who do you think are going to be the winners and losers at the end of the day um, as it relates to this technology and the, the velocity at which it's being adopted? Like who's going to survive? Uh, who's going to thrive? And who's going to die? You know, not specific companies, but like what, what sure. type company type do you think yeah. will? So I, I think one, like if you go from kind of the base stack up, right? So if you look at the substrate, so I think those with the deepest pockets and the smartest people will win. And that's going to be just an arms race to the bottom from a cost perspective. So I'd go as an entrepreneur, I would go nowhere near Google or Microsoft or Apple because they're going to come up with their own models and they're going to outspend you. Um, I think then from there, you can say, okay, who has an interesting uh, corpus of content data information that can train these models? I think that's a very interesting uh, uh, space to look at today. So proprietary around you know, uh, crop formations, weather patterns, things of that nature, someone who has a really unique data set that can feed one of, you know, that can feed a model and to create a you know, differentiated output I think that's interesting. And then I think the application layer on top of that, you know, creating these, you know, sales and marketing stacks or, or whatever the case may be. So I think, I, I think there's, there's going to be winners and losers all in that space. But, you know, I've seen, uh, you know, there, there are folks who are taking their proprietary content and they're not sharing it. And then there are folks that are, I think history would say that, you know, if, if you just are a, a totally closed environment and you're not open to, you know, ingesting other sets of information to get an outcome, you may not, may not win. Um, I wouldn't bet against Google. I think they've, they've got both, right? They've got the, if you look at just the amount of information and content they have across the YouTube property, across Google, et cetera, um, I think they, they've got a pretty, and so they, they, they could win across both fronts. Um, but then I think, uh, you know, other, other, you know, whether it's a Craigslist or, 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 you know, businesses like that, I think having that unique set of information and applying it, uh, I think will create, will create winners. And I think there'll be some technology companies that are out there today that are a nice app to do A, B, C, or D that are just going to get blown away by what, by what these tools can do. And, 
and what people can easily do who maybe don't have the ability to code what they can do with these tools that they've never been able to do before. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's amazing all the different use cases with within the the research space in particular within WinLaws and we're experimenting with uh, anything from taking a transcript to turning it into a you know set of key findings to taking those key findings turning those into a, a set of tags doing analysis there's just so much to do within uh, the WinLaws world the the other piece that you mentioned which is that database you know having that that proprietary database. Question is, you know, how how does that look uh, when you what you know about the win loss space and churn research and all of that, um, all of the information that that we're collecting as an organization is is confidential to the client that we're supporting. But it seems like there's this opportunity to build a huge database of competitive intelligence through interviews or insights in, in other aspects of the buyer's journey. And I know that there's companies out there that do that today, right? You know, I'm sure you get hit up all the time for expert interviews, people looking to uh, use your your perspective on technology or process um, to, to sell that. So what do you, what do you, when you think about win-loss and, and what you know about win-loss uh, firms like, like ours, like wh- where do you think we should go with the technology as far as the database is concerned? Yeah, so I think obviously the the proprietary nature and whatever is specific to the customer. I mean that that's contractually between you and the customer. Right. But if you could even, but if you can extract and take a step back and just understand broader data sets and what those data sets are telling you, you know, you mean you you don't have to. I don't think you have to squint too hard to say, okay, so if if we hear that, and it's an auto GPT, right? So now as an example, so we hear that. Um, integrations to systems are a blocker for us. So there's no reason why you can create an auto GPT just to run and say, okay, help the sales team learn, get the product out there, get it won, get the contract executed. Is the contract executed? These are the terms you can execute against. Deploy the product, gap in product, build integration, integrate to system, test system, deploy, and these are things that, again, that can be done in relative machine time by agents who can string these prompts together. So you could look at the entire cycle from identification of TAM through, you know, new enhancement and product launch, and all these things could be strung together. It's, it's it you know, the, the more time you spend thinking about it and reading about it, it, it's not hard for you to envision how something like that, you know, could come could come to market, right? And I think that information of that win-loss information is such a tre- treasure trove on both that it will inform the upstream identification identification of TAM, identification of prospect, and then all the way downstream to, to pro- truly now product development. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing uh, how accurate some of the work that we've done testing it out. Uh, the the results how accurate they are it it's um it's scary to to a certain degree i know that there's been yes. a big question mark about putting confidential information into gpt and i know that a lot of people just have access to the public uh, domain to be able to to do that what are what are the private you know domains i mean i know you can spend a million dollars to get a private instance of it but where do you see that piece going with uh, with this technology? As as um, you know, data privacy is is a big issue that people are raising as a flag. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think there. I mean, I, I think we need 
some governmental and probably uh, integrated global entity to really put guardrails and controls around this, whether that's a new EPA or FDA, like we need something like that, that has some level of international integration. Um, cause you know, the, the genies, you can't put it back in the bottle. Like these, 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 they're, they're out there to suggest that we're not going to, we're going to stop. We can't do that. We just have to hustle and put some guardrails around it. Now, as relates to the, the, the private, the private information of the data and the content, again, I, I go back to my, my private data set. So if you're a, you know, if you're a drug manufacturer, you know, you've got dozens and dozens about hundreds of years of proprietary trial information that you can use to predict good and predict bad and maybe create new drugs. And I think, you know, it's going to be incumbent upon that business to, yeah, yeah, I, I can inform the model, but I need to put some guardrails around the model to make sure that model A in, in, in trying to learn and get better doesn't reach out to model B and have a, and have a conversation with model B to come up with, with some thing that, that we didn't even envision. Right. So if, if you read about where the, some of these things are, I mean, some of the smartest people in the world around AI, it, it's the, the, some of the output is surprising them. Um, the speed in which it's learning is surprising them, which means we don't really know what this thing could be. So I think, yes, you have to play with it and you have to apply it, but you've got to really put some guardrails around it to ensure that there aren't negative, um, you know, unattended consequences to what, you know, what you're trying to do with it. I'd love to uh, continue this conversation in six to 12 months just to see where we are at that point. Could be six I, to 12 weeks not, based on what's happened. It might not even be six to 12 months, right? We probably just need a, need a few weeks uh, yeah. based on, on the pace of change for sure. I guess uh, uh, last question for you is just about advice that you would give to, you know, other CEOs, board members, as it relates to you know leveraging win loss type intelligence to inform really big decisions that they might be making and how to like lean into it a little bit more. So assuming these people have very limited experience with uh, independent win loss information, they're relying heavily upon CRM data and salespeople for for insights today. Like, what is the big you know piece of advice that you would give to them? Yeah, I, I, I'd say digest it, uh, without, uh, you know, w without color from a functional leader. So inevitably we could see, well, that, yeah, let's see what, you know, that client was an idiot or they were cheap or they didn't have this, or we were never going to win that because Deloitte never loved, whatever the case may be like, no, we have professionals going to ask questions. We're going to take that information back. We're going to take the personalities and emotion outside of it. And we're going to look at consistent themes and then we're not going to make, we're not going to overreact, meaning you know, what may be a trend in your SMB segment may not be a trend in your enterprise segment. So it's not going to be a one size fits or what, what may be a trend in consumer goods, you know, may not work in discrete manufacturing or whatever the case may be. So you really want to just kind of break it down into logical chunks, whether it's functional, size of market, vertical market, uh, you know, customers with global footprints without global footprints to really learn where these themes are and, and don't be defensive around it and have it just in, be, a, be a pretty big part of an overall data set to inform your go-to-market strategy, your product strategy, and ultimately your, you know, your, your company strategy. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. Perception is reality for sure. And I think that we see that all the time. People are, are pushing back on what the buyer said you know, or what the customer said. But at the end of the day, uh, I think think it's their perception that really matters. So right. 
Ray, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy. Um, so we'll get this uh, get this one set up and out there for the world to see. And we'll reconnect in uh, two, to six, two weeks to six months to talk more about the emergence of Gen AI. So thanks so much, Ray. I love it. I'm in. And uh, anything I can do to help, I'm always, yeah, I've really appreciate everything you and your business done for me, Ryan. So best of thanks, luck Ray. and uh, look forward to the next chat.